Hello, I'm Amber Bradner. And I'm Derek Coleman. And, and this, this is, is All of us. us. A place where we learn to take care of ourselves and each other so we can build communities where all of us belong. All of Us is brought to you by Camp Social, empowering digital communities with on-chain reputation and rewards for social connection. And ETH Denver, the largest, freest Web3 community innovation festival fiddling the decentralized future. Today we are joined by Ayong Jun. She is with Developer Relations at the NEAR Foundation, focusing on strategic developer outreach, engagement, and support initiatives. She made the leap to DevRel from a career in strategy and ops to help drive the push for diversity in the Web3 space. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, Derek. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. How do y'all know each other? We got introduced, well, Amber reached out to Shreyas, I believe, and then um, Shreyas kind of friendled her to me and said, hey, like, there's a conversation that needs to happen around community. Like, I think you should take it. And, you know, I'm actually really grateful to Shreyas because he's always been such a phenomenal advocate. Um, you know, as my manager, he's always just kind of honed in on the things that I say I really want to do. And any opportunity there is, he just really kind of empowers me to take that on. And so, yeah, Shreyas, thanks. Yeah, I had the privilege of meeting Shreyas um, when I was working as an EIR with Nier and it's a wonderful human and beautiful mind. I was super grateful to meet you and have the opportunity to dive in with you on DevRel. Um, it's an area that is so key and so important right now in so many Web3 spaces. I mean, really in any technical space. And I think that the idea of looking at it really as a community is something that is maybe even um, a newer framework for looking at dev relations. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit, if you could just for our listeners, what it is that you're doing with DevRel, like what that actually means. But also if you want to just guide us into like, how did you, how'd you find yourself in this position? What was your journey? Yeah, um, I mean, I think my story is slightly different from the stereotypical DevRel journey, um, only because I never actually worked as a professional developer. Like, I never had to write code professionally. Um, but one of the things that I kind of did in my past life was uh, working really closely with, um, you know, a lot of technical folks, lots of developers. Um, and... I realized over time, you know, while being on the business side is really great and all, uh, I really love working with technical people. And uh, it just kind of dawned on me that it was one of those kind of passion projects of mine where I was just like, you know, I want to make the jump to being more technical. And I want to make the jump to being in a role where I get to be kind of in a position where I get to bring more diversity into tech. And so developer relations just kind of made sense in a lot of ways. Um, it allowed me to not completely abandon all of the skills that I had kind of acquired over my career. And at the same time, kind of bridge this new skill set of like, you know, having that development mindset and, um, you know, kind of digging more into how do we get more engagement across what is a very, you know, at the moment, um, and for a very long time, a very like underrepresented um, kind of audience, like how do we get them more engaged? So that's kind of how I ended up here. And um, I made the 
jumped to Web3 at the same time. And so um, it's been a wild and crazy ride, but I've enjoyed every minute of it so far. That's amazing. I noticed a big reason why you got into developer relations also is the need for more diversity and inclusion in that space. And I think that we're all very familiar with the stats on the number of female developers and, you know, representation. And it's, we just had a conversation the other day with someone talking about, you know, homogeneous cultures creating for everybody. And so I'm curious, like, how did you notice that need? And what is your approach um, to bringing you know, more diversity into the de- developer community specifically? I think for me, it really just started by being a woman in tech. I noticed, uh, you know, my career first initially kind of started out about a decade ago. And it, this is when a lot of the big tech companies were starting to uh, be held accountable for their diversity numbers, right? And so they were having to publish some of the uh, statistics internally. Um, the employees also wanted to know, like, what are what do our numbers look like? Like, are you doing what you need to be doing to make sure we're getting as diverse of a workforce as possible? And there was this kind of like reckoning. And um, I feel like I've been sitting on the sidelines of that for, you know, a while now. And I realized I can try to do as much as I can from the sidelines, but if I actually want to be a part of that change, I need to be in a role where I have the kind of influence and the ability to support people making that transition and kind of lowering that barrier to entry. And so that's kind of how my journey started. And I think right now there still is quite a barrier, you know, and to say that we haven't made any progress would be, you know, a a lie because I think there's a lot to be said for just awareness um, and recognizing the importance of having a, di- a diverse kind of group who are kind of thinking about things and building um, for the world. And so, I mean, it seems very logical that you would need a, you know, a wide variety of viewpoints and perspectives to be able to build something for the world. But um, I think oftentimes we find ourselves in kind of populations where it is very homogenous. And so how do we kind of tackle that? Um, That's kind of why I wanted to make the jump. And then I think right now, it's still rough. And I think especially in the Web3 space right now, um, considering that the market is what it is, I think a lot of the people who would have been, you know, really keen to get involved. um, And honestly, a lot of people did get involved, you know, around this time last year. I think the kind of steam of that push for uh, more diverse perspectives and bringing in more people who are, um, you know, underrepresented right now in the industry, that's kind of lost that steam. And so really thinking about just how do we encourage people to not be afraid of what the current kind of landscape looks like. And then also just, I think in general, lowering the barrier to entry, because I think for so many reasons, getting into Web3 is really difficult. Um, It's almost like learning a new language. And if you don't know the basic vocabulary, how are you supposed to, you know, create sentences? And if you can't create sentences, you can't really write a paragraph, etc. And so how do we 
help people kind of understand that basic lingo because there is just so much jargon. And, you know, I've been in this space for, I guess, almost two years now. But even then, I feel like there's still so many concepts that I don't fully understand. And a part of that's because the field is constantly evolving. But once again, like, how do we encourage people to not be afraid and to really enter and just unabashedly ask for help and guidance? And for me, I think one of the things that has kept me really engaged in the Web3 ecosystem is just the fact that everyone's just so generous and kind um, with their knowledge and their willingness to help. Um, and so I don't know, I guess if I can make a call to anyone who's like curious, especially if you, you know, feel like you don't fit in to the stereotypical kind of, you know, what a crypto person would look like, don't be afraid, just make the transition or like start digging. If you're curious, don't hesitate. I love that. For me, Web3 and in the conversations I've had with folks is that it is a very welcoming, it's very open. There's a lot of sort of didn't fit in in other places. People, they're like, oh, wow, this is like my tribe, right? Um, so I think that just the when if you can get into the space and just start to meet people, that feeling of oh, actually, I, I do have a sense of I belong here also. And there's so much willingness to to start at the beginning and learn. And and then you start to realize there are very few who are actually experts. We're all learning. We're all defining the vocabulary together. It's changing for everybody. So it's, um yeah, I, I think this is just like such a key point that you make is, is just put yourself in that surrounding, at least in the first place. So Derek, what's up? I resonated <laughs> so strongly with what you were just saying, young. I wanted to highlight the cultural aspect there. Um, first, a joke about the technical aspect, because you're absolutely right that there's so much to know and none of us knows it all. Even if you specialize in something, you don't know it all. It's a very fast moving space. I just finished a, a stream with a DevRel developer relations person named Tony Alendo at Polygon, who was explaining um, the CIRCOM language for writing zero knowledge uh, logic, which requires among like 10 steps at the, the developer experience is horrible. And like step four is literally called like, and then you perform the powers of Tao ceremony. <laughs> it's just like, Tony, you gotta be kidding me. You, you gotta, this is who named this? This is a thing a computer's doing. It sounds like a blood sacrifice. What's happening? And so the layers of jargon whether you're talking about DAOs or ERC-20s or NFTs, and God forbid, most of them are not self-explanatory. You say, oh, a decentralized autonomous organization. I've gained very little understanding. Non-fungible token. What does fungible mean? And so we have a real um, uphill battle when it comes to understanding some of these basic pieces, especially if you don't have a deeply technical background, which most of us don't. And so... That's where I like to bring back to the cultural piece you said. My experience was exactly as you described. I was a self-taught developer that was like, what's JavaScript? And three months later, I jumped into a DAO called Raid Guild. Shout outs to Raid Guild. That's a dev shop. They like have paying clients that ask them to create front end, smart contract, marketing campaigns, all that. But it's all Dungeons and Dragons themed. So I come in. They don't ask for a resume or anything. 
it's it's like a pseudons, anons anyway. Like I don't know these people's real names or where they live. And we're all working together and coordinating like a small co-op of one, two dozen people working together and making one to four hundred dollars per billable hour to create high quality stuff on a tight timeline. I'm like, what the hell's happening here? How are we actually doing this? I came in with deep imposter syndrome because I was claiming to be a front end developer after only studying basic JavaScript for like three months. And bless his heart to this day, I remember the exact moment where I was hanging out in the Discord chat trying to work on something I was responsible for and flailing. And somebody comes in named Scott Entrepreneur, shout out to Scott. And he realized, he was like, I was like, Scott, how come I'm having a hard time updating the the value of this variable? And he was like, do you not know how hooks work in React? And I was like, oh, yeah, remind me how that goes again. And he was like, left bracket? No, the square one. And it's like walking me through these fundamental things. And it's painfully obvious to both of us that I am in over my head. And the exact moment where I knew Web3 was right for me is when he said, well, I don't think you've got what it takes to be a really good warrior, which is what we call front-end developers. And he was like, well, but you're conversational in this stuff. You clearly know the terms, even if you're not that good with the syntax and VS code yet. I think you'd make a really good monk, a project manager, because he saw my social skills and my ability to coordinate a team and do scheduling and talk to the client and so on. And I was like, okay, I'm going to class change from warrior to monk. This is sick. And went on to project manage a couple projects there before getting a full-time role in Web3. And that is an open source mentality at the cultural level. Everyone I've met in this space has that same kind of open heart and says, yeah, what do I know and how can I share it with you to improve your life? I'm not going to be greedy with my knowledge. We're all here to empower each other because we're all working on basically the same crazy spaceship. And if it doesn't get off the ground, then we all fail. <laughs> we got to work together. And that spirit of collaboration rather than secrecy and competitiveness has been my favorite foundational piece of the culture of Web3. And that is not everyone's experience. So I'm curious as you think about creating these kinds of opportunities for people to gather and be educated and build things together in the near ecosystem, how do you think about what kinds of people are needed to do that and what some of these best practices are for galvanizing the optimism that folks are coming to the Web3 space with? That's a big question. I think to your point, we're all on the same crazy spaceship, right? Like we're all trying to achieve something that hasn't really been done before, which is, you know, getting the world to see the importance of what decentralization can do. And, um, you know, like there's a certain level of how do we think about getting people in the door, but also like excited and engaged and to actually stick around, right? And so kind of, I was kind of alluding to it earlier. Um, I think a lot of people came into the space really excited during the peak of the bull run. And now um, a lot of those people who didn't really get a chance to really latch on to a community have left. And so for me, and one of the reasons why I'm so excited to be talking to you about, I really believe the main driver to determine whether a person stays through thick and thin or if they exit is whether they've found kind of their people, right? Whether they've found a community that can kind of help 
them navigate the stresses of a very volatile market of, um, you know, kind of what you were alluding to, Derek, of just like, I don't really know what's going on, but is there going to be someone who can kind of show me the way and um, help me kind of understand this crazy new world? Um, and so I think there's a huge, huge aspect of being able to curate like a very one welcoming community, but also a community that feels like they're empowered to help each other. And, you know, there's a lot of layers to that. And so there's, you know, obviously, like, making sure that they have the resources to help each other, and um, kind of like the documentation, or um, maybe it's a matter of having the right spaces for them to help, help each other, you know, do we have the right like platforms that, for them to connect on? Um, do we have it? even outlined in the right way so that you know it's not too confusing to navigate are they able to find the communities that they really want to or need to find and then um i think the added layer is also just kind of giving them the infrastructure and then really just giving them the guidelines and kind of the freedom to help each other and also maybe even like some incentivization to help each other um I mean, yes, there's a lot of people who are just in in the space and they just want to help other people because they're passionate about Web3 and about decentralization and about, you know, near. And so, like, we have amazing community members who just do it. And that's just because it's something that they're passionate about and they want people to learn more about near or maybe it's just learn more about Web3 and um, they just want to share that knowledge. But then... Also, like if we're able to somehow incentivize those people and actually like commend them and recognize them for their inputs as well, like how can we do that? And so, yes, there's several moving pieces at NIR right now. I don't know exactly what I'm allowed to disclose. There's going to be a lot more kind of coming up at East Denver. And so I'm looking forward to that for sure. But over the next, um, you know, few months, we're really going to be shifting our focus to figure out how can we enable our developer communities, our creator communities, our, you know, just like communities in general, how do we empower them to really support each other and to leverage them to really be able to do what we can't because we're not everywhere, whereas our community is global. And it, it's such a vibrant and lovely community. And I feel like they truly are the best ambassadors at the end of the day. And so how do we give them the tools that they need? And so um, a lot of what I'm trying to work on and what the rest of the team is trying to work on is just figuring out how do we give them the tools to do what they do best, which is just helping each other and spreading the word about what this technology can do amazing so from your own experience you know in in life uh both professionally and personally um what kinds of experiences contribute to a sense of belonging for someone new to a community for me personally there have been a few occasions that really stick out to me like i think gaming is a very common one for a lot of people right um you kind of find your guild and um, they essentially become your family. And so I've experienced that. And I think in a lot of ways, it's just the sense of anyone can enter. So once again, that lowered barrier to entry. And then it's this sense of being able to kind of find who you want to talk to. Um, so once again, kind of making it easy for people to navigate to where they should be. Like, if you're brand new to all of this, and you have no idea what your community should be, like, how can we help you figure that out? 
And so being able to kind of tailor that experience so that you can find the right people or give you the opportunity to explore who you should be kind of talking to and who you should be uh, kind of relying on for your information as you begin this journey. Um, And then also, once again, empowering those people who are already kind of around and know what they're doing and giving them the tools that they need to be able to welcome those people in and um, enabling them in terms of like, hey, when you're onboarding a new person, what are the things that you can do to really help them out and kind of laying that out because it's not always clear, right? Like how do you onboard someone into a completely new industry or a new kind of field? Uh, It's not always super clear cut. And so I think just trying to make sure that everyone has the right tools and the right kind of framework and um, just kind of a guidebook, I guess. I think an example of a tool or framework that has been very impactful in my experience is the, the problem in onboarding in many communities is if somebody comes into your community, they probably lack a lot of information and context about how things are done around here. A lot of DAOs face this, the the sort of trope of coming into a new server, clicking the verify or capture or whatever it is, hit that verified role, and then suddenly you're hit with a hundred different channels and you don't know what's happening where, who's talking about what, which ones you got to keep up with. And if you're a power user, you figure it out quick, mute certain channels, change your notification settings to just mentions or all over here or whatever, and you can take care of yourself. But that's not most people. And so two things I think about are titration. How can we create slower intentional experiences because when you come into someone's home you have the front door the entrance you might have a a foyer or an entry hallway that's an experience and then some kind of like living room or greeting room the discord experience i described is like having this bizarre you've ripped off the ceiling and you have to choose which out of all the rooms to go into like you're playing sims and you can see them all at the same time you don't know which one's the important one i think one thing we could do is be mindful of the sort of UX of somebody new to the community. Just think through, put yourself in their shoes. What don't they know? What, why did they come? What are they looking to experience in the beginning there? And make sure you like really thoughtfully design, whether it's a digital space or a physical space, what is their experience coming into the community and provide snacks if it's in person. And the second piece that's related to that is I, I think another place people go awry is not consciously thinking about what is the minimum amount of information somebody new to the community needs to be able to contribute just a little bit of value. Because I have heard countless stories where somebody comes into, it's the sort of like, I'm in nine DAOs, by which you mean you just joined nine Discord servers last week and you're trying your hardest to keep track of what the hell proposals they're doing and all that. Um, But the one that catches somebody is the one where they find an opportunity to contribute. Maybe it's writing a tweet or making a meme or participating in a contest, something really easy, but they do it even though they don't understand the full context of who's who and what's what, and they get recognized. And that is the turning point where a lot of people begin to feel a sense of belonging. Because that moment where you go from imposter on the side of the room to having somebody who, as far as you can tell, is an OG turn and say, hey, a young Thanks so much for contributing that. That was a really cool thing you did. Really good to have you around here. Hey, everyone, look at this cool thing a young did. Let's put it in the newsletter. 
these kinds of acknowledgement or God forbid airdrop or, or a PO app or something, because people go crazy for these kinds of incentives are so easy to do. And I think that they satisfy a deep need in our souls as humans to not just participate in something interesting, but to understand our identity in the context of the value we provide to other people we care about and who we're trying to align with. Giving your gifts, even small trivial ones, is a fundamental need we all have. And being recognized for it is just something we're all thirsty for like plants without water. So for many reasons, this is not like a life hack. This is just a fundamental piece of designing human interactions that I hope more people are intentional about as you think about the experience of onboarding new folks. What's something easy they can do that actually contributes just a little bit? And how can you recognize the hell out of them to create that sense of connection and stickiness from day one or week one? I'm just going to say, so I kind of alluded to all of the changes coming through the pipeline with Mir. I'm just going to plant the seed. Um, for anyone who's listening, please go check out Mir.social. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces. And I think by the time this actually comes out, um, it should be at a better spot. Um, we have a lot kind of happening within the near ecosystem around exactly what you were alluding to, um, Derek, in terms of being able to recognize folks for their contributions and also giving people the opportunity to contribute um, and really making that more accessible and clearer uh, instead of like, oh, here, you just have to like uh, start digging into the documentation and unless you are you know a creator or something or like a developer like there aren't many opportunities for you to engage like we're really trying to flip that narrative and giving people more visibility into like how they can actually contribute even if they don't have a traditional like developer background which up until now has been very much the case and so while for me like my main focus is on developers i think near as a whole right now we're really trying to focus on like how do we just make this a space that everyone can be a part of and contribute to so yeah i think that's a great point and yes we're working on things I, i'll say like badges are something that we're trying to work on and so um yeah to your point like how do we just recognize people. And also, I think that adds to that aspect of like, oh, if this person has like four badges, and they recognize me, like, that's awesome. And so, yeah, like, how do we kind of give people that incentive to really be more a part of that community? Yeah, Derek and I have talked a lot about about that, like, minimal contribution level, the the first win that can be created. And, you know, when I think about belonging and specifically in the Web3 space, I think that there's that overarching ethos of decentralization, transparency, more equity. Like, yes, you, you, you kind of have this like similar vision of what not only tech can be, but the world. And then, you know, you got to discover that there's this is applied to X and what is the X? And so when you find people that you also are aligned with in why you're building beyond the like high level mission, but when you start to look at what problems can we actually solve and this technology can be part of that and I can be part of that and these people are also interested in solving this challenge, whether it be climate, 
you know, or food scarcity or, uh, you know, housing or what, whatever the issue is, but starting to look at it through that lens. And I just think for me, like finding regen specifically community, it was like, oh, I'm home and it was values based. So I find that just to be extremely important in my journey. And I'm curious, do you in your, not only in your role, but what are you seeing in the space around more thematically or solution or like purpose-driven direction and and kind of congregating points in the journey? Yeah, I think it's um, very top of mind for a lot of people, not just me nor near, but like everyone, right? Um, As we're trying to get more people in through the door. Um, To your point about being able to discover kind of who or where you can be a part of. And then on top of that, like how you can contribute, like that kind of discovery of huge. And so, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of work being done in terms of how do we, once again, how do we make it a little bit more accessible in terms of making it more, I guess, easier to navigate? Um, because there's just so much, right? Like for you, it was regen. And I'm so, so on board with that as well. Like, I love that too. And so it's just like, how do we help people realize it's not just about like hodling, right? Like it's not just about like the tokenomics aspect and like trading. There's just so much more. And I think for people who are really just scratching the surface, that's not a super clear kind of narrative that's, um, you know, being distributed by the mass media. Um, A lot of it is just about like breaches and, you know, what's the latest like token movement. And so how do we kind of make that a much easier kind of process to just realize there are all of these other people and projects and teams thinking about the actual application of this technology and how it can actually help better the world. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot more that we can do as an industry in terms of getting the word out there first off. And so, you know, podcasts like this, I'm a huge fan of because how do we get people to understand that there are communities and people who are passionate about things outside of just the trading aspect and of, you know, maybe even like just the pure technology aspect of it. Um, but really like the application of how we can better the world. And then once they are interested, how do we make it easier for them to really find their communities and to find like ways in which they can contribute? And so um, I'm excited to say like we are doing a bit in terms of that um, at near right now. And so, like I said, the next few months are going to be really transformative and um, I'm really excited for what's coming down the pipeline. And I think to that, um, there's just going to be a lot more opportunities for people who are curious to get involved and um, find it hopefully easier to get involved as well. Yeah, definitely. It's it's interesting the when you think about the the types of narratives that have been pushed out, like you were saying, when you only hear there's been this crash or when it's only about making money or become a developer because you'll make this da 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 da. I think that it loses the the humanistic narrative that actually drives our behavior. And we've it's come up quite a bit around, you know, having having a better narrative, but it also comes down to just having actual stories that we can tell. I know Open Forest Protocol, right? Um, the Kenya Hub, like there's all these different examples within Near that 
you can humanize it. You can say like, and this is actually the impact that's happening in the world because of this action. These are the lives that are changed. And I love that we've moved from crypto to blockchain to now Web3. And my friend's like, what's Web3? I'm like, well, I mean, I'm going to say blockchain and then some other things also. But at the core, I feel like what Web3 is, is us saying, hey, we are not just the financial aspect of this. This technology can be used beyond the application of you know crypto and market. Like there are, there are a lot of ways that this can be applied. And so it's exciting and I'm really looking forward to hearing and seeing what comes through near, what new flagship kind of projects and you know structures are created both to support better stories being told. Um, and, you know, when I was more deeply involved with Nier as well, it's that thing of, yes, you want to see more people um, represented in the space. And I did feel like Nier was well positioned um, in their messaging specifically, the vision that they hold to move towards that, that inclusive creation. So, very excited that you're there and that you're stewarding, you know, the the dev relations and excited to see what comes through. Yeah, I, I'm really, I feel really lucky and I'm so grateful to be a part of the team. And I think to your point, I think there's a lot of people involved with Nier who are really passionate. And I'm not just talking about like the core contributors, but just community members in general. And I think there's a lot of positive that we can do as a community. And I don't know, I, I'm really excited to see what down, uh, down the road for us. And honestly, for Web3 and like all the kind of different projects in the ecosystem in general, uh, there's just, I know it's like a broken record at this point, but there really is just so much that we haven't even gotten to, right? Like we're just scratching the surface in terms of how all of this can be applied and how we can really change how people live and help those who don't have access to a lot of what we have in, you know, certain geos and certain geos don't like, how can we just make everything a little bit more accessible? How can we make, you know, there's just so much. And it always just gets me really excited whenever I have these types of conversations where we're talking about the actual, like, you know, like, why are we doing this? Right? Like, why are we in this space? And so I think if we're able to really enable these people and really empower folks to get involved and to what we were talking about, to find their niche and to really figure out ways in which they can become a part of this, I think it'll just help everyone. Absolutely. I think getting a foothold is the hardest part and the scariest part because it's first and you have the fewest connections and resources and understanding. And to the extent that we as community designers and people responsible for overseeing, I often think of the the, the metaphor of interior design, even for like a Discord server, like make it cute, like put emojis in the channel names, figure it out. That's your responsibility. But more importantly, at in-person events, which I know Near has lots of um, regionally. And um, East Denver is also coming up as an example where it's a lot of people's first experience in the space. It's free to attend. It always will be. It's quirky. It's weird. Vitalik and other people wear pajamas around. It's not like a stuffy $500 ticket kind of conference. It's a community innovation festival. So I'm curious as we get closer to East Denver 2023, um, as of this recording, uh, if 
you know of anything Nears planning as far as activations or events that people might be able to look forward to as a friendly, open, warm uh, space to meet folks and be curious and figure out where they go next on their path? Oh, yes. Um, we are huge fans of East Denver. Um, it, like to your point, and not just, you know, uh, trying to like, it's not just about trying to appeal to developers, right? Because East Denver, I feel like has always been kind of like a very builder focused event, but now it's just become this entire movement, I feel like. And I'm not going to lie, being in Denver in the middle of February is not one of my favorite things, but like just the community of people and like all of the events happening, it truly is one of the most like inspiring events, I think. And like, once again, the added layer of the fact that it is free, like, um, you know, anyone can kind of get a ticket and go like, just apply to be a builder, right? Like, and that, and also builder is such a, like a nebulous concept now, because what is a builder? Like, if you have anything to contribute, you're a builder. And so I think there's just so much that we can do at Denver. And so yes, Nier is definitely planning a lot of activations. We're, we're very excited for the slate of events we have coming up. And also for me, I just love going to all of the events. You know, obviously, yes, like Near has a solid lineup of events um, focusing around underrepresented groups, um, around we actually have something around like Regen. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of Near sponsored events, but also just um, events that are being sponsored by our community, um, our ecosystem projects, and even like, I'm going to try to hit up as many events as possible hosted by, you know, other projects, other ecosystems. Like, I don't care because at the end of the day, I kind of what we were talking about at the very beginning of this was just, you know, we're all on this crazy adventure together. There's no point in like, you know, this whole narrative of like, oh, this this project is better than this other project because of X, Y, and Z. Like, I just don't think that's, a narrative that sits well with me because once again we're all trying to achieve the same thing we're all on the same team and the way we get there is just by working together and so i'm always a huge fan of just getting to as many events as possible meeting as many people as possible and just really finding out about why are they here what are they passionate about and um, I find that oftentimes those are the types of conversations where I learn the most and find niches that I'm interested in getting involved in. And so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot coming up from the near perspective, but also just in general, East Denver is just one of the best vibes, I would say. Can you confirm we didn't pay you to say that? Oh, 100% not paid. I am just saying that because I, I just really love the East Denver uh, experience and you know, I think everyone should try it. Like if you can make your way out to Denver. Four years, East Denver didn't even pay its team. It was run by volunteers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a huge <laughs> testament to how amazing this community actually is, right? Like everyone that I've met, you know, who has been involved with organizing East Denver or like just met at East Denver, like it's just fantastic people. It's it's somehow just congregation is just really fantastic, kind and passionate people who just want to make the world better. So I'm very excited. I look forward to seeing you there and I'll try to serve snacks at whatever thing I'm hosting. <laughs> Ayung, is there any uh, contact you want to shout out? You want to let people know how to find you on the internet? 
Uh, I mean, I would say if folks are interested in, you know, kind of chatting, learning more about Nier, or just, you know, maybe if you're new to all of this and you're just kind of hesitant on how to like get started um, while we're getting that experience up to par, um, you know, please feel free to reach out. I'm available on Twitter. Um, I'm on Telegram. I'm on Discord. Like our Nier Discord group is very happening. And I think Derek, to your point, there is a lot, but if you can find me, um, just feel free to reach out. Uh, I think in general, like everyone is very generous with their time and energy and knowledge. And so if you know anyone who's like even on the boundaries or on the fringe, or maybe they're like an OG person who's been around for a decade, whoever it is, they're, I want to say like with like 99.9% confidence that they're going to be very excited to talk to you about it. And so, yeah, feel free to reach out to me or to anyone you kind of know in the ecosystem. And yeah, I'm just excited to see more people get involved. Amazing. Thank you so much. And we'll add contact info in the show notes for our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today and for doing the work that you're doing and following your passion, taking the leap. Looking forward and excited to see you at ETH Denver for sure. Thank you. Um, Honestly, Amber, Derek, this has been such a treat. So thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited uh, to see you both in Denver and hopefully um, we'll get to, you know, can go on this crazy journey together for a lot longer. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Ayon. All of Us is brought to you by Camp Social, empowering communities to self-organize. Connect on Twitter at campsocial underscore. Set up camp or join a social on camp.social today. And ETH Denver, the largest and longest running Web3 community innovation festival, fiddling the decentralized future. To attend ETH Denver 2023 from February 24th to March 5th in Denver, Colorado, visit ethdenver.com slash apply. Follow Ethereum Denver on Twitter to join weekly virtual and in-person community events. I like to last one. Cut it. Smash. Smash. Cut. Stop recording. Hey, everyone. It's Derek. I always forget to do this, but if you enjoyed any part of this and would be willing to take just a moment to rate this episode or this show on whatever platform you're using, it would help us a lot. The algorithm is brutal, and we are just trying to share what we think are some pretty good ideas from some pretty cool people as broadly as possible. So thanks in advance for your support.